Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So, at four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual, because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable, it's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals, and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. This is Cruise Radio. Cruise Radio is brought to you in part by tripinsurance.com. Travel insurance done right by the people who know travel insurance. Get a quote today at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida, this is Cruise Radio. Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thanks for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio, a review of Princess Cruises, Crown Princess today. Sherry Laskin is here with Cruise News. And as always, Cruise Radio News, our daily quick hits of the news Monday through Friday, Three things you need to know in 60 seconds. You can find it where you listen to your favorite podcast. Just search Cruise Radio News. All right, Sherry is here with Cruise News. Hey, Sherry. Hey, Doug. So Carnival Panorama is en route to the West Coast, but she's taking the long way. Yeah, there's all sorts of reasons for that. But Carnival Panorama left the shipyard in Italy and is heading for her new home port of Long Beach, California. But like you said... She's going the long way around the bend, and uh, you might want to share why that is, because you know the exact facts on that one better than I do. But during this month-long journey, there's going to be technical stops, and that will happen in the Canary Islands, Uruguay, as the ship passes through the Straits of Magellan, so not through the Panama Canal, then on to Chile, Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, and then arriving in Long Beach, California. So over the course of 38 days, of which 30 are sea days, Carnival Panorama will travel nearly 18,000 miles before reaching California. The only scheduled overnight import will be in Uruguay. The first cruise from Long Beach will be a three-night inaugural cruise on December 11th, followed by seven nights to the Mexican Riviera and so on from there. But can you share the what you just told me before we started recording about the uh, the reason for this long way around? Yeah, so I was digging around because I was wondering why they wouldn't take yeah. that 10,000 mile shortcut. And it is because the new Panama Canal locks that they just opened a few years ago, um, they're 49 meters wide. So they can take ships 49 meters wide and carnival panorama is 48 meters wide so there's not a lot of wiggle room to go through the lock there and um probably scuff the ship up before it gets over to long beach it probably wouldn't be pretty and then of course the technical stop i'm sure there are vendors or they're picking up crew or something down in uruguay since they're there overnight you know i don't know if they're going to also have um travel agents come on board while sitting in port i don't know but um It's a heck of a long way to go just because it's three feet too big. Yeah. Jumping on the crazy train, Port Miami (laughs) is getting a train station. 
It's not crazy. I love this. And it's enough to make me move back to Florida almost. Mm -hmm. Um, But the Miami-Dade County Commission has just approved ratification for the agreement for Brightline, which will soon be renamed, drumroll, Virgin Trains, to build a station at Port Miami by 2020 or through 2020, I guess, because we're almost in 2020. The Virgin Trains Port Miami station will eventually be a U.S. transit first, and this is eventually as the only intercity rail system in the United States that will connect an international airport, being Orlando, directly to a major cruise port, which would be Miami. So current train service, there is already Brightline service that operates from downtown Miami, Fort Lauderdale, and West Palm Beach, and phase two construction is underway to connect Orlando in 2022, which, you know, gets here faster than we can imagine, right? So, um, you know, it's really popular in the South Florida corridor. So they're going to build an additional uh, station in Aventura, which is North Miami. That's been approved. And Virgin Trains is working with the city of Boca Raton to add a station there also sometime next year. Um, Unfortunately, I read that Port Canaveral, my former hometown, is not on on the close-in to-do list. And from what I was reading, there's a bunch of politics behind all that. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see. But, uh, you know, I wish they would get uh, some service running up and down the eastern seaboard. That would be great you know, from Miami to Jacksonville. Uh, the next point here, MSC Cruises had a couple of big announcements late last week. They did. So MSC Cruises has cut the first piece of steel for its new generation ship and It'll be the first of its world-class vessels. So world, world is the class, not world-class. But they're being constructed in France. And this new ship will be called the MSC Europa. It's the first of five liquefied natural gas-powered ships on order from MSC Cruises. And this is the first LNG ship that will be built in France. MSC Europa is scheduled to debut in 2022. And get this, it'll accommodate up to 6,761 oh, passengers, boy. which will, which will, it's bigger, it's almost as big as Sitka. Yeah. It'll be the most passengers of any ship in the world. And MSC, like I said, plans to build three more world class ships, which will be delivered uh, in total by 2026. And the other big event was. Following the steel cutting ceremony, they also took delivery of their newest ship, the MSC Grandiosa. You know, they're going to keep building these big ships, 6,700 people. When one of these ships flips over, it's going to be a rude awakening for the cruise industry. Oh, you know, with a what, 25, 30 foot draft? It's a little, yeah. I mean, you know, it's, I'm, they're all fine, but to me, it's like the word top heavy just you know, sticks in my mind a little bit. Yeah, it's, you know, I mean, the I know the engineers, the naval architects, everyone knows what they're doing, but it's almost like you're pushing science a little too far here. So I took a double take on this next story because there's a cruise ship and it has a mattress that costs almost a quarter million dollars. Yeah, this is a, definitely a fluff story, if you want to <laughs> call it that. So luxury cruise line Regent Seven Seas, uh, for their new ship, the Seven Seas Splendor, it will have undoubtedly what will be the most expensive mattress at sea. And like you said, it'll cost well over $200,000. But why? Um, it's handmade. It's filled with horsetail hair, cushioning flax, slow-growing pine, superior wool, and long fiber cotton. 
the mattress is created by a company, which I don't want to try to pronounce, in Sweden. Not only is the mattress super luxurious, the bed linens are made from Batiste Mako cotton and 100% virgin white down from Alaskan, of course, geese. So anyway, this combination is supposed to keep bodies at the correct temperature throughout the night. So when the Seven Seas Splendor debuts in February of 2020, there's also going to be a uh, special spa treatment that you'll have. But it's not for everybody. This $200,000 plus mattress will only be in one room, and that's the Regent Suite. Um, if If you're well healed enough to have that, you will also have your own personal butler. When you go into ports, you'll have a car with a driver and a guide. And if anyone is curious how much this is going to cost, the prices begin at $11,000 per night based on double occupancy. And I don't even want to ask what the single supplement might be. Listener question <laughs> comes from Leah. What is the best choice for accommodations in Miami? There are tons of hotels, but we're thinking of maybe trying an Airbnb as they might give us a better feel for the city and save some money. What are your thoughts? Well, Leah, um, I don't know if you're really going to like my thoughts, but I'll sort of gloss over this. So Doug and I were just talking, we were reminiscing the other, just a few minutes ago. I used Airbnb in Miami um, back, I think it might have been three years ago. I've used Airbnb in Europe, and it's been wonderful. So anyway, it was a conference, in a sea trade conference in Miami Beach, and I rented an Airbnb. Uh, the owner was up in Canada, or so he said, and the condo was what, it, I mean, the pictures, it looked really nice, but when I got there, it was, I would have guessed a motel that was built in the 60s that is being converted into condos, so the everything was under construction. You had to step over scaffolding to get to the unit um, and, and try to reach the owner. He wasn't very responsive. I ended up staying there for the two or three nights, but I wasn't happy about it. So bottom line is, you know, if you're if you're really keen on staying in an Airbnb in Miami, Miami Beach, that area, do your research, um, you know, dig around. If you see, read the reviews, find out, you know, is it a super host or not? They didn't have super hosts, I, I don't think, back when I was looking. And um Know the area, this is what idea, you know, if you know, if there are certain parts of Miami that you really want to visit, you know, maybe find an Airbnb around there, um, especially if you don't have a rental car. Uh, taxis don't like, and Ubers, you know, they don't like to go three blocks or four blocks or five blocks. And if you do have a car, make sure parking is included with the condo. Otherwise, at midnight, you'll be shuffling the car around to different sides of the streets because Miami Beach is very um, finicky about where you park and how long you leave your car there. Uh, My other thought was, if this is for like a pre or post cruise stay, if it was me, I might choose a like a suite type hotel, you know, with a little kitchenette and maybe one that offers a transfer service between the hotel and the port but if you're just flying in there, you know, for just for a vacation um, and you want an Airbnb, just really be sure and do your research and, um, you know, just make sure that you know that the owner is in town. I think that's important and the parking. 
Yeah, and really stress the make sure parking is included because whenever I rented an Airbnb, it was 2014 too, Sherry, by the way, uh, whenever oh. we, because you were at one end of South Beach and John and I were on the other end. And yep. you got parking included, I think, in yours, and we did not. And we had to pay $50 a night in a garage to keep our car there because there was no street parking where we were. So a car thing is really important. You know, now that you mentioned it, I had, um, the owner had a parking decal sticker of some sort for my car. So I was able to leave it in cert- on certain streets on certain days for a certain time. And then I still had to move it. Yeah. Um, yeah. At least I did. I think he charged me $20 a day to use his parking sticker or something like that. He must not have known you are Sherry Laskin from cruisemaven.com. As always, thank you, Sherry. <laughs> Thanks, Doug. If you have an Amazon Alexa-enabled device, ask her to enable the Cruise Radio News Skill so you can get daily updates anytime. Straight from Cruise Radio. When is your next cruise? Where are you going? And what are you going to do once you get there? Market-leading specialist CruisingExcursions.com offers savings up to 60% offshore excursions versus cruise line prices. Whether it's private, shared, scenic, historic, or family tours, CruisingExcursions.com has up to 12,000 excursions in over 700 ports worldwide. You can even bundle your excursions for more savings. Make your next vacation affordable and unforgettable by visiting cruisingexcursions.com. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Check out our blog, the video page, and interact at cruiseradio.net. So Diane just returned from a 10-night cruise aboard Princess Cruises Crown Princess. She left out of Fort Lauderdale or Port Everglades, and it was a 10-night cruise down to the Southern Caribbean. Diane joins us on the line. Hey, Diane. Hi, Doug. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for calling in to give this review. Now, you're out in Texas. You had to make your way to Port Everglades. So uh, give us some pre-cruise thoughts. What made you want to take this 10-night Southern Caribbean cruise on Crown Princess? Well, um, this will make our third cruise on Princess. We really like that cruise line. And the itinerary was the number one draw for this particular cruise. And seeing some islands in the Southern Caribbean we had never sailed to before. So making your way from Dallas over to Port Everglades, any pre-cruise time in South Florida? We did. We flew in a day early and we stayed there at the Hilton Garden Inn at Mm -hmm. the cruise port. And uh, because there's a free shuttle that goes from the airport to the hotel. And um, then we ate at a a restaurant that we really enjoyed, Padrino's Cuban Restaurant. That was very nice. So that made for a very nice evening. The next morning, we just caught the shuttle from the hotel to the cruise port, and it was only $10 a person. Is that the Hilton Garden Inn in Dania Beach, they call it? 
It is. Yeah. I think I've stayed there maybe five or six times. That's a great property if you're sailing out of Port Everglades. You're not, you know, you're not super close to the port where you're going to get charged a crazy amount for the hotel room, but you're like, what, right. maybe a 10 minute ride away? Yeah. And the staff could not be better. Yeah. You know, yeah. the, the sh- from the shuttle bus driver to the desk staff, they're all terrific. Yeah, very accommodating. So you make your way over to Crown Princess. How was your embarkation process? You know, we signed up for the medallions mm-hmm. and uh, we did the ocean ready and received our medallions before we left for Florida. And it was the fastest, easiest embarkation we've ever experienced. They just whizzed us right through. I would say from the time the shuttle bus dropped us off, to when we were in our room was less than 30 minutes. Wow. So walk us through the embarkation process and like with your medallion, how does that, you know, how does that speed things up? Well, they have a completely separate line. So as you're going into the building and they see that you have the medallion, you know, everyone's showing their passports and medallions. Once you get past that part, then they uh, speed you through a special line just for those having the medallions. And then you board the ship. What were your first impressions of Crown Princess? You know, it's a beautiful ship. It was updated um, in good repair. The staff is very friendly. They greeted us. They told us where we could go and um, just were very helpful and organized. You make your way to your stateroom. So what kind of stateroom did you book and what were your impressions of it? But the other question is, were you able to use your medallion to unlock your door? You do. Exactly. As you approach your um, stateroom door, it senses that you're close by and automatically unlocks. So all you have to do is turn the handle and walk in. That is very convenient. And I would say that's probably the number one feature of having the medallion other than the the speedy embarkation. Does it only work with the medallion or could you unlock it from your smartphone if you wanted to? You know, that's a good question. Uh, I'm not really sure because... uh, The doors are set up for um, medallions, and there's a special panel, Mm -hmm. um, but it could be that you can still get a key card. Yeah, we'll have to find out. So what did you think of the room? You know, the room was very nice. It was a smaller uh, balcony room, but the reason we booked, uh, we, we were on the Carib deck, the 10th floor, and we wanted that particular floor because the balconies are much larger than the typical balcony. And so we opted for a smaller room, not the mini suite, uh, because we really wanted that larger balcony. Does it make a big difference when you're in that smaller room against the mini suite? Oh, yes. (laughs) The, The biggest disadvantage we found is there's not enough room for two people to just sit And when you're in the room and not sleeping, Mm -hmm. um, someone ends up having to sit or lay on the bed while the other person occupies the one chair that they give you. Do both categories of staterooms have the walk-in closet, though? Oh, yes. Yeah, the the closet is so nice. Mm -hmm. And it's plenty of hangers. I bet we had 20 hangers. Um, And then there's also the shelf space next to the closet. That's very large. And then you get a huge shelf above the closet. So we had plenty of storage space in the closet. Um, I would say the bathroom is on the small side. Um, You only get the shower, not the bath shower combination. And um, and there wasn't as much storage space in the bathroom as what I've seen on other ships. Um, But it was fine. 
the room itself, one thing I noticed is they don't take advantage of vertical space. So like above the bed or around the desk, they didn't have any shelves or storage mm-hmm. areas. Um, the primary storage area was on either side of the bed and nightstands and then in the desk itself. This may sound silly, but one of the things that won me over with Princess is that walk-in closet in their staterooms. Oh, it's fabulous. Yeah. And I like not having to deal with doors. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so awesome. So as far as like enough plugs for your electronics and all that, um, were there any kind of uh, like upgrades with USBs or anything during the last dry dock? Not that we found. Okay. Um, we actually um, brought a non-surge power strip mm-hmm. and utilized that. And we also had some adapters that had um, extra plugs in them. Gotcha. So let's talk about the food on the Crown Princess. And we'll start. I always forget the name of what Princess calls their buffet area. What is that? It's the Horizon Court. That's right. And what did you think of it? You know, it was very nice. There were a few nights when we couldn't make it down to our 5 p.m. seating, and we ended up having to go there for dinner. And it was very nice. The food quality was very good. There was a lot of choices. And then they kind of darkened the room, and then they have these um, artificial stars in the ceiling. And, um, of course, with Princess, you get the linen napkins and the real silverware, and um, the service was fabulous. They had wait staff everywhere, you know, bringing you more drink or getting whatever you needed. In the Horizon Court, do they divide that restaurant off at night? Like on some ships, they do like the Crab Shack in there, anything like that take place? There was one night that they had the Crab Shack and we did sign up for it. It was an additional charge Mm -hmm. and it was very nice and um, a great way to eat a lot of crab. (laughs) Yeah, I I bet so. So how about the main dining room? What time dining did you have and what were your impressions of it? We were in the Botticelli at 5 p.m. because the other seating time was 7 p.m. We felt like that would be too late, interfere with shows and entertainment. So we had the 5 p.m. seating. Like I said, a couple of times it was a little too early based on what we were doing that day. Mm-hmm. But the food, for the most part, was fine. The wait staff was great. Um, there were there was one night when I didn't care for what I had ordered, and they brought me something else. Yeah, it's interesting when you're doing that 5 p.m. dining, right? Because, I mean, if you're coming from the West Coast, you're really – what eating dinner at two p.m. your time? It's early. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so you're well, you're like in Central Time, right? So you're eating really at four o'clock when you're yes. on a cruise ship <laughs> on the East Coast. As far as like the service and the food, were you pleased? We were. We were pleased with um, the Botticelli. Our servers were fabulous, uh, Grace and Doug, and they were really nice. And we enjoyed the people that we were seated with. Um, It was a very friendly table, and that's one reason why we do the fixed uh, seating is because we enjoy getting to know the wait staff as well as fellow cruisers. Now, did you do any specialty dining on this 10-night cruise? We did. We celebrated our anniversary at the Crown Grill, and it was very, very nice. How many years did you celebrate? 34. Nice. Congratulations. And how was the Crown Grill experience? Oh, it's always nice. We we had a special treat. They seated us next to the window. So as we were departing uh, the port, we could you know watch the sunset and the port sail away. And uh, so that was really nice. The service was excellent. The food was delicious. One thing that was interesting, though, is uh, if you want surf and turf, you have to pay an extra charge in addition to the cover charge. 
the Crown Grill on Princess is currently like you pay a flat fee, um, a surcharge to dine there. It's not a la carte like Norwegian Steakhouse. Right. Okay. Yes, it is an additional charge. And we booked that really early. We just mm-hmm. kind of guessed what day would be the best day for us to uh, dine there. And we went ahead and booked that well in advance. Okay. Any other venues you'd like to talk about, like poolside venues or anything like that? You know, um, yeah, there was the Salty Dog Grill. Mm-hmm. Um, we never did try the uh, Salty Dog Pub um, experience, but um, the grill had, you know, hamburgers and hot dogs. The My husband loves the pizza by the slice, and then he got an ice cream cone every day. We did try breakfast one morning in the dining room, and it it just seemed a little unorganized and the food wasn't any better than um, at the Horizon Court. Mm-hmm. And many times before an excursion, we would just order uh, room service uh, for breakfast. And, you know, Princess has an extensive selection on breakfast. Now that you say that, and I think of other cruise lines I've been on, breakfast always seems to be kind of a hot mess in there, like always slow service. I don't know if they maybe use less people, less staff in there for the morning time or what, but yeah, it typically tends to run slow. Right. So as far as entertainment on this seven or this rather 10 night cruise, what'd you think of it? You know, we tried uh, the um, Princess Theater several times. Uh, They had two different comedians and um, I would say they were mediocre. We um, sailed on Carnival before and uh, they had the uh, George Lopez Mm -hmm. comedy and we found their comedians much funnier than the ones that were on this particular princess cruise um one night they had a magician i'm not into magic acts so we didn't go to that um and then there was one time i wish we had been able to go they had a a chef cook-off and that would have been interesting most of the time we found our entertainment in club fusion or the explorer's lounge um, one night in the Explorer's Lounge, they had Yield Pub Night, which was kind of like a vaudeville uh, uh, group participation show. That was a lot of fun. And then uh, the Club Fusion, they had music or trivia. There was a lot of trivia on this cruise to the point where we were like, okay, we're done with trivia. <laughs> <laughs> the You mentioned the comedy show. You liked the Punchliner Comedy Club better on Carnival. What, did you find the comedy to be a little more sanitized on Princess, or why was that? Uh, you know, it was, it was, uh, the timing was slow. Mm. I don't know if they, they were waiting for people to catch the joke, Okay, but, uh, <laughs> but the timing was slow. The, the humor of one particular, uh, comedian was just, uh, very, very different than what we're used to. And, and, uh, he, it, he brought someone from the audience up to the stage and that took a while. So we had to sit there and wait for that person <laughs> to make their way up to the stage. It was just real different. Does Princess do their comedy shows in the theater or is there like a comedy club on board? They were doing it in the theater okay. on this cruise. All right. Now, as far as your sea days on this cruise, you had a handful of ports, but also a couple of sea days in there as well. What were your thoughts as far as crowds and congestion around the ship? You know, I told my husband at one point, I don't think this ship is full because Mm -hmm. it just seemed like there weren't the lines. We didn't have to wait for an elevator like we normally do. Um, There wasn't even on um, 
formal night when there's all the picture taking, you know, we didn't seem to have as much trouble getting down the hall. So I don't know if, if there was just better crowd control or if it was not quite as full as some of the ships we've sailed. So like as far as, you know, out by the pool during the sea days and venues, you know, like the Horizon Court or what have you, you were pretty much like just walk up and grab your food? And pretty much. You might have to wait a little bit. But like on sea days, I know the pools were crowded. And um, one of our table mates said that, you know, there were pe- people sitting around the pool to the point he couldn't even get in it because they were just sitting there. Um but on uh, the sea days, we found we didn't try the pools on those days, but we were able to find tables in and around the pool so that we could eat our lunch or play games or whatever we wanted to do. Very nice. Now, let's talk about the ports of call on this 10-night cruise. Let's see if I can read my chicken scratch here. I have Princess Key, St. Thomas, Antigua, St. Lucia. Barbados, and St. Kitts. Did I get that correct? That's right. All right. Give us a highlight and just move on to the next one. Sure. Um, So Princess Key, it was a very nice leisurely beach day. You do have to tender to that island, and but you can do pretty much whatever you want to do. There's plenty of lounge chairs, either in the sun or in the shade. Um, I believe we were the only ship in port on Mm -hmm. that day, so we didn't have any trouble finding where we wanted to camp out. The nice facilities, um, nice bathrooms. I noticed that outside of the women's bathroom, they did have an attendant sitting there. And I think that was for our protection. Yeah. Um, Lunch was a little disappointing, but if you like salads and fruit, you'd probably be satisfied with that. (laughs) Diane, I want to ask you really quick. On the island, did you see any damage from Hurricane Dorian? No. And I think they had even... Did they have a fire there? Is that another place I'm thinking of? Yeah, um, earlier this but, this year they had a, uh, or was it last? Yeah, I think it was earlier this year. I think in February there was a little a generator caught on fire and burnt a couple of buildings down, but nothing like too major. Yeah, you know, I could not see any signs of damage or reconstruction or anything like that. It it would look perfectly normal. All right, now let's move on to St. Thomas. How was your time there? You know, we had been to St. Thomas a couple of times before. So that's the day that we selected to stay on the ship and have our pool day. And it was great because we just about had the pool to ourselves. Nice. And Antigua? Antigua, we took an excursion um, where a bus took us all around the island. Some of the stops were a little questionable. Mm -hmm. um, And I was like, why are we stopping here? This seems to be in the middle of nowhere. But happened to have about a half dozen vendors there selling things. <laughs> so uh, the last stop was the best stop. It was the Nelson Dockyards. And that was very interesting. Our um, bus driver and guide were terrific, though. Um, they pointed out very interesting things about the island and the culture. We even got to experience the fruit, that green fruit, uh, Guinness. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... You know, I think they did a great job of um, taking us around the island and showing us things. How about St. Lucia? Oh, my goodness. It was our favorite. St. Mm-hmm. Lucia was just beautiful. First time we'd ever been there. And we took a catamaran to Marigo Bay, uh, sailed around Marigo Bay. Then they uh, sailed in front of the pitons. We got our picture taken in front of those. Um, 
it was just such a relaxing. We had a gorgeous day for sailing, and they even let some people swim that wanted to. Um, and then they uh, treated us with uh, the rum punch and some sandwiches. The pitons are so cool how they kind of just spire up out of the water like that, aren't they? Oh, yeah, they yeah. are. And and we just that's going to be one of our um, favorite photos is mm-hmm. the two of us in front of those. You'll have to send me that. I'd like to see that picture because okay. I, yeah, so fascinated by that. Um, and then Barbados was your next one. Right. So we did a, a beach snorkel excursion. Uh, they took us actually to Pirate's Cove, which is a, a nice facility. They have the restrooms and a restaurant and drinks and plenty of chairs with the umbrellas. Um, and then my husband just walked out to a sailboat and they went snorkeling to two different shipwrecks, and then he got to uh, swim with the turtles. So he really enjoyed that. What was that beach called? Do you remember? I think it's Pirate's Cove. Yeah, Barbados, such a really cool port. And then your last um, one was St. Kitts. Uh, we love St. Kitts. You know, we on this one, we decided to splurge and take the uh, St. Kitts Scenic Railroad. Mm-hmm. Uh, tour and we were really glad we did we saw the most beautiful landscapes mountains the ocean the coastline um we saw where the caribbean sea meets the atlantic um they just told us so much about the history of the island the culture the people and then we had a special treat the saint Kitts scenic railroad choir sang for us several times, and that was just a, a real treat. Where the Caribbean Sea meets the Atlantic, is there like a convergence where the two waters meet, or is it pretty much just an observation point? It's mainly an observation point from where we were, because mm-hmm. we were on the railroad, yeah. um, you know, headed around the island, and, you know, she just pointed out where that occurs. Okay. Yeah, I was always wondering. So you make your way back to Port Everglades. How was your debarkation process? You know, my husband said this is the fastest we've ever gotten off the ship. Um, They sent us to a lounge to wait. And then at our time uh, to go downstairs, we just uh, we didn't even have to stand in line. We just walked off the ship with our medallions again. And from the time we got on the uh, shuttle to the time we got at the airport was 35 minutes. Wow, that's really good. Yes, we had an 1137 flight and we made it there in plenty of time. Our, our debarkation time was set for 805, so we had plenty of time at the airport. So a couple of questions then, back to your sailing. How was the internet connection? You know, I think Princess has the best Wi-Fi mm-hmm. of all. And um, it was really good. I paid in advance for 10 days for one device, about $70 for the Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. And I was using Google Duo okay. to talk to my family back home. And um, there were a couple of times where it broke up, but most of the time I could talk with my family. Um, I even tried uh, streaming Netflix and was able to do that. Um, there were busier times than others. Um, and so when I saw that, you know, it was breaking up or disconnecting, I would just, you know, stop whatever I was doing. But for email and everything, it was it was really great. And how was the smoke situation in and around the casino? One night they had a non-smoking night in the casino. And um, I thought that was really great. And I wish they would do that more often. But um, 
when we went to the casino on the last night, it was, you know, not not the non-smoking. And um, there were a few people smoking in there, and it didn't seem to be restricted to one side versus the other. Yeah, I noticed on my past couple of Holland America sailings that I think it was formal night. They made the casino smoke-free. That would make sense. Yeah. Yes, I would agree with that. Well, looking back on your cruise, what was the biggest highlight for you? I think St. Lucia. It was it was just so beautiful. We really enjoyed the catamaran. And um, I think that we were all but one, uh, we, um, the only ship in port which really made it nice because then the islands didn't seem so crowded. All right. Well, do you have any first-time tips for anyone sailing on Crown Princess or using the Ocean Medallion program? Absolutely. Um, I would suggest that people buy their bottled water mm-hmm. on the ship prior to the cruise. Um, Princess sells it for about $7 a 12-pack. So it's very inexpensive before you sail. I think once you sail, the price does go up. So We always do that. Also, I would definitely sign up for the medallion. It's free. It does some other things other than unlocking your cabin door. It actually has a GPS of where you are on the ship so that the waiters can bring you your drinks and snacks or you can find your uh, shipmates through that. Did you use it at all to order drinks or to track your husband? We did. They encouraged it because the first time you order a drink on the um, the app, your drink is free. We actually used it several times. That's a great um, incentive. Yes. Yeah. I will say that there was a misunderstanding with some passengers and even some crew that you had to pay for the Wi-Fi to use the Medallion app. And, and that's just not true. The The uh, Wi-Fi setting is a little misleading because you feel like you need to click on something else when you're already there. So um, I think they need to have a, you're there, you're on the Wi-Fi Mm -hmm. type message, you know, so people don't feel like they have to do something else. Um, We did find that the Wi-Fi kept disconnecting from the app and we would have to reconnect to the Wi-Fi in order to use the app. So it, Initially, that was a little annoying. I got used to it. My husband stayed frustrated. (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's probably growing pains, right? I mean, all this technology they're outfitting these older ships with. And, you know, uh, right before we left on our cruise, what had been five separate apps Mm -hmm. uh, for Princess became one. And then you just swipe to get to the different parts. So, You know, the Ocean Ready was one part uh, where you upload your documents and passports and get ready for embarkation. Also, you can um, book your shore excursions using the app and also check your shipboard account. Mm -hmm. And I checked right after we had bought some drinks and it was immediately updated. So it's by the second (laughs) in updates. They have an app um, page where you can order the drinks and even snacks, and you can have those delivered to you wherever you are in the ship, including your stateroom. Very convenient. Actually, almost too convenient. (laughs) Yeah. One thing that I never used was Ocean Casino, where you can actually gamble without even walking into the casino. I just stayed away from that altogether. Probably a safe bet there, no pun intended. Uh, (laughs) Very good. Well, in closing here, what are your final thoughts of Crown Princess? You know, we really liked the ship, the Crown Princess. Um, We just thought it was beautiful. Um, It was very easy to get around. Um, We were located in mid-aft. 
And that just was a very convenient place to be when we we were going to the dining room or going to the um, Explorer's Lounge, wherever we were headed. It just seemed to be very convenient. And I would definitely recommend the Carib Deck and get that bigger balcony. Mm -hmm. I was lucky that I had um, booked a room uh, cabin on the starboard side. So as we were sailing north um, back to Port Everglades, our balcony was in the shade almost the entire Uh, day. And so we could sit out there and really enjoy it. We've been talking with Diane about her 10-night Southern Caribbean cruise aboard Crown Princess. Diane, happy anniversary, and thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate it. Thank you, Doug. I appreciate you having me. All right, Dougie, here we go for uh, the new uh, cruise radio stuff here for you. Cruise radio is produced weekly in Jacksonville, Florida. For partnership opportunities, email Doug at cruiseradio.net. Hear Cruise Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Google Play, or at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.